0: Every July, we focus on serve, serve, and then uh, you'll hear Pastor Brad at the end. He'll make more announcements about it, but this Saturday is our big serve day. We're joining hundreds of thousands of people around America that this Saturday, we're going to be in our communities reaching out in acts of kindness. And we've got ten to fifteen groups that's going to be going out. We've already got them assigned. We're in schools and in homes and in ministries, and we're doing lawn painting, all kind of things, helping seniors, doing all type of ministry, just acts of kindness. And Pastor Brad will share with you at the end of the service how you can sign up and and be a part of one of those teams. But I want to talk to you today on chosen to serve, chosen to serve. Let's get right into our text that we're using every week throughout this series, and. Uh, we 'll go through it together it's in Matthew 20 verse 28 it says, "Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but he came to serve. The Son of Man Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. there's a lot said in that scripture. first of all, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve, and secondly, he came to give his life. How many found out that discipleship and serving people is going to cost you something. There's a price tag that comes with it. And so I want to talk to you about that today because you see serving only takes place when you and I identify and become the people we're serving. Remember the good Samaritan? He did not serve looking down upon the the man that was robbed and beaten and left bloody. He got in the pit with him Ministry does not take place in pulpits. It takes place in pits. And, and we have to realize today that if we're going to serve, there's going to be a price tag to it. It's never convenient. It's not always on our schedule. And it's not always what we want to do. Someone's need becomes more important than our want. And so I want us to look at Isaiah. It's scripture I really want to lean on today. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 60, he said a powerful power of scripture. He says, arise shine for your light has come. Your, yours. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you right now. Arise and shine, Jesus says. He, he brings us to a comment and he's like, hey, I need your attention. There's a lot of stuff going on right now and I need you, my body, to arise and shine. Your light has come. And here's what he says. The glory Of the Lord. And the word glory there in his original context means the fullness of God's weight, the fullness of God's character, the fullness of God's anointing, the fullness of who God is. Now, what does he say? The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Not just your pastor, not not just your spiritual father or leader. It's on you, Jesus said. Arise and shine, the fullness of God's glory, the fullness of who God is, is now upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. I don't have to spend much time on that, do I? How many acknowledge today, we're living in one of the darkest eras of society we've ever lived in. God's saying, man, it's getting darker out there, it's getting more evil, it's getting more wicked, but it's okay, I've got a people. And I need my people to rise right now. I don't I don't need you to get caught up in all your stuff. I need you to arise. Your ministry is not important than my calling right now. I need you to rise up and shine for my glory is now upon you, the fullness of who I am. The world's getting darker and darker and they're running out of solutions because look at what it says. It says, see, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. You've got to start seeing yourself as part of the solution. Man has looked at all of its wisdom and it's not working Man has tried to come up with all of everything his wisdom can try to figure out to fix the issues of our society and it's not working. But God says, my my foolishness is greater than your wisdom. And he's saying, church, I just need you in this dark hour to arise and shine and let the fullness of who I am, let it overflow and overshadow you right now. And here's what he said, nations will come to your light. Well, you need to get that, because what's God saying? The people that you thought you were to work for, the people you thought you were just called to serve, the people you thought were over you, nations, kings, leaders, bosses, employers, he said, they're gonna come to you because of your light. Nations are gonna come, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let me remind you, Christ alive inside of you, is still the only answer to the world's problems. Christ inside of us. Let me go quickly here. You see the church has made some serious mistakes and misrepresentations. What we've done is the the religious system has intentionally separated the pulpit from the pew. And we brought in these words that aren't even biblical like reverend and clergy I refuse to put them in my automobile because they're not even biblical. They'll get you a free parking spot, but they're, they're lies. And, and, and there's, no, there's no such thing biblically as a clergy or a reverend. There's only one one person we need a reverend, and his name's not Dan, it happens to be Jesus, all right? And, and then we've got the other word like layman. See, clergy, reverend comes up here, and then layman out there And and that's people in the church that aren't preachers, but serve, so they're laymen, and you can't find that one in the Bible either, but we do that, and there's an intention in that to separate the two. But can I tell you, there's not just one minister in this congregation. And and, you know, uh, because of that separation, people think that we as pastors have this divine connection with God that you don't have. And it's like, there's a problem, preacher, fix it. And and like I've been on deep sea fishing trips with my buddies and we're like 12, 20 miles out, you know, and there's nothing but water separating us and land and a storm comes up and it's like getting bad and they look at you like, do something. You got connections, talk, do something. And, And I tell them I'm in sales, not management. I'm just a delivery boy, I didn't write the paper. You know, I don't have any connection different than yours. That's what I'm trying to get you to see today, that there's not anyone in this church that has a stronger calling than anybody else. We just have different callings in the same body. And God wants to use every one of us. And here's what I want you to do today. I want to take you through some steps today that that identify who you are and what God's wanting to do in your life. Step number one, I want you to say it with me. I am a minister. Come on, say it with me. I am a minister a minister. You see, people have this mindset because of that separation. Well, well Pastor Dan, if you get sick and go in the hospital, he's our pastor. We pay him to go visit you. Show me that in the Bible. It's not there. Now, I go to hospitals. I'm not too good to go to hospitals. I, I, I won't say I enjoy going to hospitals because I don't. I don't like people sick. But we have people in this church that have a gift for that. They were born for that. When I'm in a hospital, I care about you. I'm praying for you, but I'm thinking about the other 10 people that I need to get to today. But we got people in this church that they're gifted, man. They can sit down with you for an hour, two hours, pray with you, be there for you. They've got a gift that I don't have. And you would much rather them be there than me. Now I'll come and they ask you, they, they're trained. They ask you, do you want Pastor to come? And I'm gonna tell you, very, very seldom do we get that call? We'll call if we're needed there, but they're like, man, the prayer you just prayed, no, we don't need them. We, we've got people they come, well, you got marriage problems, you got right, you need to go see Pastor Dan. Our office is always open for you, but we've got people in this church far highly trained greater than me to to deal with marriage issues. They're trained counselors. They've been equipped for that. I'm trained to a degree. They're trained above that. We've got people with gifts in this church. And what I'm trying to tell you is not that I don't want to do what I need to do. I will that and more. But it's great to know we've got people in this church that are gifted in areas I can't do it all. Pastor Brad can't do it all. You don't ask us to do it all. But the church has established a pattern that you've got to have these people that do everything, and that's why the body sits out and only 13% of it does anything. But I want to say at Transformation Church, we are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us are ministers. You see, the truth is today that we've all got to realize in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you, you, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. Now tell him back, no, he's really talking to you, Okay. But here's what God says. Watch this now. I've got to hurry. But you are a chosen people. You're already going ahead of me. You're out preaching me right now. You are a chosen. You know what that means? You were hand, I started to call this sermon handpicked. You've been handpicked. You've been handpicked by God. You are a chosen people. Watch this. A royal priesthood. You know what the priesthood was in charge of? Ministry. And God says, you, 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 you know, the one that you thought you couldn't do anything in the church or ministry, or you weren't equipped and you were afraid and you were shy and you were bashful and you, he says, no, I've handpicked you for this. And you're a minister. Look at what he says. Shows me royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Watch this. So that you may declare the praise of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's called every one of us in this building to be a minister. And can I say this to you? And I want you to look at me. I want every person in this building to start taking pride in the ministry that God's called you to. You may not be on this pulpit. You may never sing on this stage. But God called you to be a nurse. God called you to be a lawyer. God called you to collect garbage. God called you to work at a supermarket. God called you. He called you. He gave you a gift. He gave you a task. He gave you a reason to get up in the morning And you need to go on that job tomorrow with a different mindset. I may be a nurse, but I'm called here to heal the sick in more ways than one. I may be a a manager over a company, but I'm more than a manager. I'm a pastor over these people. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got a task bigger than running this business. I've been assigned to this by God. You need to start taking pride in who you are in Christ and the ministry that God's called you to be and start making a difference in the world that he's put you in. Come on, somebody that we take pride in that. But you see, you're not just a minister. You have a specific purpose. You have a specific purpose, all right? You see, not one of you are supposed to be a part of everything. None of us are. We don't want you to a transformation church. We don't want you signing up for 100 things. And we have a lot going on. We wanna know what is it that God created you for? How did God create you? What are your passions? What, are you, what is it that just drives you? We don't wanna assign you to ministry here we want you to go through GrowTrack. Let us help you tonight or today, right after this service in the, in the GrowTrack room. If you've not been, go over there at 1230. We've got a meal for you. And we want to help you identify your passions, your gifts, how God made you, who you are. Because we want you to serve in your passions and, and what moves you and drives you. You see, we believe that you have a specific purpose in life and you will never be happy until you're fulfilling it. Now, some of you need to hear that. There's people out there with mansions, they've got planes, they've got jets, they've got monster cars, they've got all kinds of money and they're killing themselves because they're not happy because you will never be happy in life until you've connected with your divine purpose that God has assigned you to. That's why 87% of the church never has found their purpose in God. So they come to church every Sunday looking for a meal, looking for God to feed them, getting refilled, get that empty tank full again. Why is it empty? Because if you've been in your purpose all week long, it's still full. And they come to church and they're like, come on preacher, give me, give me, give me. And they're missing it because you'll never be fulfilled in life until you've connected to your purpose. What if your natural body operated like that. What if 87% of your body didn't know its purpose? That'd be your mouth going to your foot. Walk. hmm? What if 87% of your body didn't know its purpose? You know what you would look like? So what do you think the church looks like to the world when 87% of its body doesn't know why it's there? And then we're like, man, you need to come and get some of this. And they're like, for what? You're as messed up as we are. But when we all know our purpose, we bring a new image of Christ to the world. Come on, somebody. You see, anyone here ever heard of a little guy named Elvis Presley? You know, just a little singer dude. Now, Elvis was known by every generation knows Elvis. But you got to look at Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. He was declared, died in 1977 from obesity and issues of drugs. He sold over a billion albums. He was in 33 movies. He has over 30,000 impersonators trying to impersonate him for a living today. They say that's growing at such a rate by 2050. All of us will be one. All right. But here's what his wife Priscilla said about Elvis. I quote her. Elvis never came to terms with who he was to be or what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a different reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for other people. That agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it, so he would go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it. How many of us are going to school and going to work and doing life and knowing we've never connected to why we're here? We've never connected with our purpose. And so we're like Elvis. We're just going through the motions and dealing with the pain and, and learning to cope with all the emptiness and the frustrations. And we never take a moment to step back and ask the question, why am I here? Why did God make me who I am? You see... You're a minister with a specific purpose. Ephesians, Paul said, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Everybody look at me a second. I got a secret for you. God created your purpose before he created you. Go to Acts, and and we read in the scripture there where he said he knew the place you would live and the time you would live there. He predestined your season of life. God didn't create you and go, hmm, there's a Ryan Teague down. Wonder what I could do with him. (sighs) No, you know what he did? He had a plan for Ryan's life before he ever created Ryan. That's why Ryan couldn't outrun it. That's why Ryan couldn't escape it. And can I tell you today, no matter who you are, before God created you, he created your purpose. And you'll never be fulfilled in life, I don't care how much money you make, I don't care what positions you get, I don't care how big your house becomes, you'll never be happy in life until you connect with your purpose. And there you will find your happiness. You see, God has your purpose set before you. You see, you're not one in a million, You're one of a kind. Oh, you need to tell your neighbor that right now. You've been wanting to say that to somebody all week long. Come on. I'm one of a kind. Come on, somebody. Come on, wives, you need husbands. You better jump all over that. Your pastor just gave you permission to tell your wife. You are one lucky lady. You got one of a kind. All right. All right. So I'm a minister. I have a specific purpose. God says, you know what? You're there in an opportune time for such a time as this. You see, one of the greatest truths you need to grasp today is God let you live where you live now and here. Many of you are interpreting the news the wrong way. It's bad, it's gloomy, it's hateful. You could watch that news and lock up your doors and put iron gates on it and grab you some water non-perishable food and hide out for the next 10 years. Or you can wake up and go, This is the day he's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Rise and shine and let your light shine for the glory of the Lord has come upon you for such a time as this. Listen, God knew before it got this dark, he was gonna have you and I called to minister in it. And he specifically called us for this task to be alive and to minister with task and purpose and reason in the darkest and one of the darkest hours of our society that we let a light shine. It's an appointed time in heaven that God has made for you. And Paul says in Ephesians, 5, be very careful then how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't go out there and entertain the stuff that you know was destroying you and destroying your friends. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You and I need to realize today that God handpicked us. Why do you think you're facing such opposition in your life right now? Anybody besides me had some stuff going against you? Come on, anybody besides my family had some stuff? Man, it's like where in the world is all of this coming from? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We preached it for weeks. We don't wrestle against other people. We wrestle against powers demonic forces, principalities, rulers of darkness, wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a spiritual war. All hell's broke loose. But God said in the midst of all of that, I've handpicked you for such a time as this with a specific purpose, a specific task, and I want you to go minister in it and let your light shine, and the glory of the Lord is gonna come upon you, and nations and people are gonna be drawn to you because we are either a lighthouse or a garbage dump. We're either drawing people in or we're running people away. God says, but when my glory gets on you and you're operating in your purpose, on your job, in the ministry, in the church, wherever you are throughout the week, he said, there's people in darkness are gonna see the light that's in you and they're gonna come to you and through your simple acts of kindness, they're gonna ask you questions. And he said, when you answer their questions, you're gonna lead them to my son, Jesus. Good stuff. Last of all here, I get to make an eternal difference. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I've never done drugs. I mean, ibuprofen's about the strongest thing I've ever done. That gets me knocked out, so a crack would just end me for like 30 days, you know? I mean, if I smelled a beer long enough, I'd probably get drunk, you know? Uh, I feared God growing up, but I feared my dad more, and he would have killed me, so I didn't drink it, all right? But I'm just saying that we've got to come. If you want to get high... Learn this. You want a high that'll keep you up at night and get you motivated the next day with no withdrawals or hangovers? Get connected with your eternal purpose and making an eternal difference because there's no greater high in life than to know that you can get to heaven one day and you're gonna look around and there's hundreds of people there because you had a ministry with a purpose for such a time as this and you made an eternal difference in the lives of other people. There's no high that can compare with that. Nothing can drive you like somebody stepping up and going, I'm a Christian today because of your testimony, because of your life. It's a high that nothing can compare with. You see, doing good is not enough. We must learn to begin to make eternal difference. We can feed every hungry person in Pensacola this week, but if we don't point them to Jesus, we lose. It's got to be more than just good works. There's got to be an eternal difference made in the lives of people. It's not enough to just get them to church. We've got to introduce them to Jesus and help them find freedom and discover their purpose and go make a difference in the lives of others as we make a difference in the lives of others. That we have the opportunity to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. Paul in 1 Corinthians put it like this. If any man builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day of judgment will bring it to light. Redirect everything you're doing and begin to focus on doing things that will create an eternal difference. in The lives of other people. Can I go ahead and say this to you? We have no pantry in this church right now. We will not do it for the first two years of existence here because I do not want this community that's in poverty to look at us as only a free pantry. So that's an intentional decision we made because we want them to receive us as a house of worship, a place of rescue, a place to find Jesus, a place to change your life, come in and meet Jesus. And once we're known as that in this community, we will start doing the food. But if all I do is feed this community and I don't give them Jesus, I failed them. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? And and the church, we've got to be careful, continue to do acts of kindness. I mean, we help people, but we're not announcing there's a food pantry here because there's not one yet. On purpose, because when they come here, we'll help them at times. What we want to do is, do you know Jesus first? Because more than give you a bag of groceries, let's teach you how to plant a field of corn and how to grow and what got you in this situation. Let's break the curses that's upon your family of poverty. Let's get that spiritual thing taken care of, and we're going to help you along the way. Come on, you with me? And so we've got to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. You see, my agenda as your pastor is not to provide a place for church for you. See how quiet it got? It was that quiet in the first service too. That's not my agenda. My agenda is not to provide a church service for you today. Let me explain that. Because you see, we're we're eternal people, right? And and so my job is to create, my agenda is to create an atmosphere here that the hurting and the broken and the lost and the lonely can come and sit at a table and eat. And eat and find hope and peace and joy. You see, Sunday morning should not be a table spread for mature Christians. You should not be coming to church. If you're a mature, healthy Christian, you should not be coming to church to be fed. You should have eaten before you got here. You should have ate yesterday and Friday and Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday and Monday of spiritual food. You should not be coming on Sunday to be fed. If you came here today lost, hurting, sick, broken, wounded, empty, Please sit down at the table. Get a fork in one hand and a spoon in another. And I don't want you to do anything for the weeks to come, but come here and eat until you are healthy, until you're full, until you're mature, until you're well. But if you came in here this morning, saved, mature, healthy, and well, put down the fork, put down the spoon, put on an apron, and let's serve some people that are hurting Lonely, broken. When my children were infants, I fed them. When they became adults, they moved out of my house and they feed themselves. And I'm telling you today, and I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not preaching mean Emma. It ain't coming out, I just want to make sure. I'm trying to wake you up because the religious world has ruined us. But well, church is for me? I don't even need church to stay saved. I come to church so I can fellowship with my brothers and sisters and we can build an army bigger than what I can do myself. And together we can touch more people at one time than I can by myself with the hope of Jesus. And so we've got to realize today that God wants you to come and he wants you to be fed. I believe anyone that comes to this church on Sunday morning is going to leave here fed. You're going to leave here encouraged. You see, my job's not to feed you, it's to equip you if you're mature. My job is to challenge you. is to motivate you. But God wants you to learn to self-feed so that you don't come to church in need. You come to church ready to give and to serve the needs of others. And so how do we do that? Ephesians, I've I've got to quickly go. Ephesians 4. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, there it is, to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. So how do you minister in the body? Here they are, real quick. Number one, through your gifts and your passions. Through your gifts and your passions, let us help identify within you what fires you up. How many of you here like to fish? Come on, guys, help me. Come on, I need a hoorah or something, come on. Any fishermen in here? Anybody like to hunt? Come on, real men, hunt. All right, yeah. Any real hunters, bow hunters in the house? All right, he's my man back there. Okay, all right. Any ladies like to shop in here? rest of you lying. Okay, all we want you to do is find something you love to do. How did God wire you? If you don't know how to shop, see my wife after church. She'll teach you. But God, just all we want is find what you have that you love to do and join with us and let us help you get a small group going and get some other people that like doing the same thing that won't come to church, but they'll come to your small group. And, and every small group doesn't need to be a Bible study. And thank God for Bible study small groups. And I'm for those and we love those. But your unsaved friends aren't coming to Bible studies. But they'll go bowl with you. They'll go hunt with you. They'll go shop with you. And sooner or later in the discussion, some questions are gonna come up. Some conversations are gonna start. And then the gospel can come in. And we're gonna bring people to Jesus in an area that they feel comfortable. And then you get them in the church and sit them at the table and put a spoon and a fork in their hand and let them eat. Find your gifts and your passions. And if you haven't done that, go through GrowTrack today right after this service and we'll feed you and we'll help you find out what those are. Number two is you minister through your life experiences. You minister through your life experiences. You see, God creates, and he wants you to become creative. God wants you to take your life experiences and learn how to minister to other people through them. Use that that area of passion. Get conversation going, and then change somebody's life. And I, I hear this. I've heard it. And not many, but you'll hear, you know, I just don't do the group thing. I I don't do that thing outside of church. Well, you're kind of going against the word of God because he said it in Romans. Watch this. He said it in Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your every day, not Sunday, take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. God's saying, take your everyday life, the passions and the gifts that I place within you, and go use them and create ministry through them and go change somebody's life. Let the light shine upon you. Let the glory of the Lord rise up upon you and be a light in darkness. And so you're using these experiences of life to minister to other people. And last of all, we minister out of our pain. Anybody besides me just don't like pain? It hurts when I hurt. But we minister out of our pain. You will find out Jesus' greatest time of ministry did not come through his comfort. It came through his pain. And you will find out that mine and your ministry, the greatest level of ministry we will possess and God will use us through is through the deepest and darkest areas of pains in our life. We see it in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Powerful scripture. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. How many will agree with that? Amen. He comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand. God can't use me. I've been through divorce. Perfect! You're a perfect candidate for ministry because I got some people over here that's battling in their marriage, and I'm not glad you went through divorce, but let God take what was meant for evil and make good out of it. And, and rather than uh, us try to figure, why don't you take your pain and let's go help somebody else escape their pain. Well, I, Pastor, God can't do anything with me, man. I'm was an i an addict, or I was an addict, and I got this, and I got that, and perfect. Because we got some people that we want to reach with the gospel that they're addicted and And they, man, you can take your experience of pain and you can help us set them free from their pain. But pastor, you don't get it. You don't know where I've been. You know how bad I've messed up. I I see a guy named Peter in the Bible. Jesus is at a table right before his crucifixion and he's telling the disciples what's about to happen and what's about to come upon them. And They get into a debate and an argument of who's the most spiritual and who's the most loyal and faithful and Peter gets in the face of all of his buddies and says he's the best and he even looks at Jesus and says, look God, I don't know about these dudes they're probably going to bail out on you you ain't got to worry about me, I got your back I'm with you to death and what was the next thing Jesus did? The Bible said that he took a basin full of water and a towel and he knelt on the floor and called them one by one. He said, come here and sit right here. And He took off their sandals and he began to wash their feet. Peter, it's his turn and he said, Lord, you, you, can't, you can't do this. You, you can't do this. And Jesus began to explain it to him. I don't have time to get into it. And Peter said, if that's the case, please don't just wash my feet, but wash my hands and wash my head. Immediately after that moment, the disciples left the room. Peter walks outside and it's just a moment later, days later, he's walking outside and a little young girl comes. I know you, you you're one of them. No, 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 I'm, I'm not one of them. You're, you're one of them. No, no, three times Peter publicly denied that he knew Jesus. Do you know in the culture of that day to deny Jesus publicly at that level was considered an unforgivable sin? Here's a disciple that just told Jesus, I'm your best. Pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before the fall. I'm the one that'll go to the grave with you, Jesus. You don't have to worry about me. And in front of a little teenage girl, he's already denied the Messiah three times. And here he is. But all of a sudden, we see that there's a day of Pentecost about to come. Jesus needs a keynote speaker. He had he not met with Peter yet, and I'm gonna go into Dan Livingston translation. Okay, this is DLT version. But this is what I believe happened. It's just my thing, so just add a grain of salt to it. But something supernatural had to happen for 120 people, Christians, to come in one accord in an upper room, because that had never happened yet and has not happened since. I believe that Peter, cause the word got out that Jesus wants you, Peter. Jesus needs to see you, Peter. And I can you imagine being Peter right now and having to go into the woodshed with Jesus? After all that pride, all that ego, all that attitude, he just went out and did the unforgivable. Oh, Peter, man, Jesus fixing to whoop you, man. You fixing to get the beating of your life, Peter. I can hear these disciples telling him, man, Jesus got, oh, you did it. Peter goes in there and meets with Jesus. He comes out, he goes into an upper room. What'd he say, Peter, what'd he do? I don't see any marks, I don't see scars. No blood, Peter, what happened? Here's what I believe happened. I believe Peter got in that woodshed with Jesus and he didn't have a paddle and he didn't have a switch and he didn't have a board. I believe he got back that basin. That towel. I believe he said, sit down, Peter. Hurts, doesn't it? Painful, isn't it, Peter? I know what that feels like because I watched my father in heaven pull the shade. I'm I'm going to cross. I know what's going to happen. Prophet Isaiah has already declared it. I know what's coming. I know you're hurting, man. But here, Peter, I want to show you what grace is really like. I want to show you the power of the cross. Here, Peter, and he washes the feet of Peter again. Peter walks back into that upper room and what happened, Peter? You're not going to believe what happened. He didn't whoop me. He didn't beat me. He washed my feet again. Something supernatural like that had to happen in that upper room for 120 people to go, wow. And they got in one accord. And that oneness brought down the miracle outpouring of the Holy Spirit like the church had never seen before. And that Peter stepped outside and preached a message and 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus. He ministered through his pain. It's no secret in this church, our family, the pain that we've gone through with Jabin, my little grandson who's four years old and terminally ill, spent two years of pure hell. I I didn't know a human being can hurt as bad as my heart hurts and still be alive. But through that pain, God has opened up doors of ministry that I can't explain to you. There are tens and twenties and thirties and forties of churches across our nation right now that are contacting and let us know. We've started a ministry for special need children in our church because of your grandson. We had a church and their whole staff walk through our building this past week from Gulf Breeze going, we've been watching the story of your grandson and and what you guys are doing with the Haven and and we're, we're starting one in Gulf Breeze, show us how to do it and what to do. On August the 5th, we've got our Grand opening of our Haven that we're hosting here at the church. Our open house and hospitals have jumped on board with us. Schools have jumped on board with us. A hospital is catering all the food for 350 families. We're, we're seeing uh, all kind of support come in, and every family with a special needs child in Escambia and Santa Rosa County is going to receive an invite to come and walk through our campus and know there's a safe place you can come and your child will be taken care of. And it's all been birthed out of pain you got to realize today that your greatest opportunity of pain is not going to come through your mountaintops of victory. They're going to come through your valleys of darkness. The things that you thought were going to destroy you, God's going to raise up. You're going to let your light shine, and his glory is going to rest upon you, and the nations are going to come. And they're going to hear the hope that only you can give, but it comes out of your pain and your deliverance. In Jesus' name, bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you for this body. I thank you today, God, that you have called us. You've separated us. And God, I thank you for these people, Father. And I I just pray over them today, God, that your anointing will rest upon their life and that you will speak to our hearts today and you will challenge us, God, with this word. That, Father, we're all ministers. We all have a specific purpose. We've all been assigned for such a time as this. And God, we can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. God, I pray, Father, that you help us, God, to to learn to get our passions and our gifts, identify them, to take our life experiences, Father, and let you use them. And God, let us dig deep down into the very dark areas of our life where pain was so real. And now, let us come to the mountaintop with it, and let us minister hope and life to the hurting through it. In Jesus' name. If you're here right now, and you say, Pastor Dan. I wanna join the six that prayed this morning in the first service, and, and, and I'm at step one. I just need a new encounter with Jesus. I need a new beginning. I'm, I need a new start with my life, Pastor, and I'm not where I need to be with God. I know about God, but I'm ready to know God personally, and I want you to pray for me. If that's you, would you slip a hand up wherever you sit, and you can put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. I'm not gonna point you out. God bless you. I'm not gonna to come to you. I just wanna pray a prayer with you. There's four hands, five hands. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm ready today, I realize today that God loves me and God bless you, God bless you. There's about eight hands here this morning in this service that I I just need Jesus. I need a brand new start, Pastor, I'm tired. I'm just ready to start over, pray for me. Anyone else, quickly, quickly. Maybe on live stream, you need to pray with us. God bless you, ma'am. There's nine, there's nine hands right now. Jesus wants to change your world and change your life. He wants to give you a new beginning. In Jesus' name, if you raise your hand or you did not, you need Jesus in your life today. Pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart, you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come, I confess, I believe, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and let's celebrate with these that I prayed this morning, amen.